God, grant me the grace to speak of your ways and give us all the wisdom to follow them. Amen. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. <laughs> one of my, uh, one of the many songs actually that I learned over the course of two daily vacation Bible schools per summer was this one, Father Abraham. When I was growing up, summertime meant attending daily vacation Bible school. My family thought it was wise or, or maybe just practical to have my brother and me attend Bible school at our grandmother's church as well as our own. Daily vacation Bible school consisted of a week-long exploration of biblical themes through small crafts, rhythmic music, and dramatic stories. Father Abraham, with its jaunty and catchy tune, complete with the most ridiculous choreography, and six verses actually, was my introduction to the progenitor of many children, two of whom we heard about today, Ishmael and Isaac. The tale of these two brothers is one of estrangement. There is hostility among the adults, and quarreling ensued between the mothers, Sarah and Hagar. They watched their respective sons laugh and play together at the family picnic, an event which should have otherwise been a joyous occasion. Ishmael and Isaac, caught up in the excitement of the activity and the conviviality of their games, are unaware of the parental consternations. Their laughter made them oblivious to the superfluous bickering of their parents. Long before Ishmael and Isaac were a glimmer in their mother's eyes, God promised in a special covenant with Sarah and Abraham that God would bless them, making them parents of a great line of descendants from whom all generations would receive God's blessing. In fact, God said to Abraham, you shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. This covenant with Abraham and Sarah meant that God would preserve and deliver them from literal and metaphysical ruin. We might use the word today, salvation, to refer to or to describe this covenant with God. That Abraham and Sarah, they are given the blessings of this life and the next. And the sign of their salvation shall be children. Through children, Abraham, Sarah, and all their descendants inherit God's goodness. But as some of you may know, having a child was not easy for Abraham and Sarah. Years passed, 
hope waxed and waned as God's chosen couple remained childless. The absence of a child produced fear and anxiety over God's promise. Surely Abraham and Sarah were kept awake at night in their beds, wondering and doubting the authenticity of their covenant with God. Their salvation was jeopardized by the lack of a child. What was going wrong? Did they misunderstand the covenant? Were they unaware of some addendum that was added? What was in the fine print of this covenant? Absorbed in their self-centeredness, Abraham and Sarah opted to effect their own salvation. They disregarded the promise that God made to them. And in keeping with ancient Near Eastern tradition, Sarah, to put it rather nicely, gave her slave Hagar to Abraham. Thus, there is what the Reverend Dr. Lorenda Hefner calls procreation by proxy. And Ishmael is then born. Abraham and Sarah's fixation on their salvation overshadowed the covenant God made with them. Wanting to ensure that they received what they were promised, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands, despite God's regular reassurance of the covenant in dreams and in visions. Abraham and Sarah's fanaticism, it didn't go away, though, after the birth of Ishmael. Their preoccupation with predestination resurfaced after the birth of Isaac, their naturally conceived son. Seeing Isaac, play with seeing Isaac play with Ishmael introduced concern about the logistics of Abraham and Sarah's election. Which son is the seed of salvation? Debate followed and quickly descended into argument among the parents. I imagine it sounded a little something like this. It is obviously Ishmael. He was the firstborn, the traditional recipient of the inheritance. No, no, it is Isaac. He is the one. He was the promise made to us, not to you. Quarreling soon became hate, and the innocent laughter of Ishmael and Isaac turned to tears as Hagar and Ishmael are rejected and left to the dust of the desert. Abraham and Sarah's fixation on their election, it clouded the goodness granted to them by God. They missed the mark. They missed the mark of God's blessing and reduced it to a dualism of election and rejection. Abraham and Sarah they're moved by their own insecurities rather than by grace. And in turn, they attempted to be their own God. The words of Simone Weil, in her reflections titled Gravity and Grace, speak 
to Abraham and Sarah's concern. They, in her notes, stated, to desire one's salvation is wrong, not because it is selfish, but because it is an orientation of the soul towards a merely particular and contingent possibility, instead of towards completeness of being, instead of towards the good which exists unconditionally. To desire one's salvation is wrong, not because it is selfish, but because it is an orientation of the soul towards a merely particular and contingent possibility, instead of towards a completeness of being, instead of towards the good which exists unconditionally. Our salvation depends solely on God's grace. Salvation is not a mere possibility, but it has already been given to us even before the foundation of the earth, wrote Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. God's salvation is not meant to be of self-concern, nor is it intended for the division of people into categories of elected and rejected. Rejection is not a part of God's narrative of salvation. Whether it is in the exodus of the Israelites, or Jonah in the belly of a whale, or the feeding of the 5,000, the Bible tells us in story after story of the saving work of God. God's blessing brings us to the joy found in a life of togetherness and a life in community. It frees us for a life of relationship, not a life of rejection and election. In this story, salvation is realized not in the self-serving acts of Abraham and Sarah, but rather in the playful laughter of Ishmael and Isaac. Here in the laughter of these children do we find salvation. Ishmael and Isaac are not seen by God as representations of election and rejection. Rather, through their kinship and their joy, God shows us the way to salvation. Through their kinship and their joy. We must preoccupy ourselves then with friendship, with conversation, with community. When we are turned inwards, we fail to see God's promises and are lost in the triviality of legalism. Ishmael and Isaac, children, pay little attention to the questions of inheritance and salvation. Their attention, to be very blunt, is on finding a friend, especially a friend who will join in the laughter of singing silly songs at Daily Vacation Bible School. Father Abraham had many sons, 
seven sons and one daughter, to be exact. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's set aside our foolishness and preoccupy ourselves with the laughter of Ishmael and Isaac. For when God's kindred dwell together, God's blessing is given, life forevermore. After all, it is Christ who taught us that unless we change and become like little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen.